Welcome back to Years and Years. Uh, it's hopefully by now this is your favourite KCL radio show. 
Uh, I'm Carmen. I'm your wonderful host of this radio show, podcast, whatever it is. It's kind of a mess, let's put it that way. Um, last week was, of course, based around the year 1999. But this week, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. So not only is this episode thematic, but I also have a wonderful guest who I'll be interviewing very, very shortly. Um, but before that, let me just give you some information about what I've just played. So that first song that I played you was the iconic Diana Ross with I'm Coming Out. The song was written and produced by Nar Rogers and Bernard Edwards of Chic, bringing the disco sound not only for this song, but the album as a whole. And apparently a DJ actually warned Diana Ross that the song would kill her career as it would lead people to believing that she was gay. But the song was written with her gay following in mind and the producer suggested that she should use this as her coming out song, aka the first song that she played to start her gigs. And she still does this every single time that she plays. So a little bit more about that quick interview that I was talking about. Um, Mystery guest, please introduce yourself. Who are you? How, like, why are you here? Yeah, go ahead. Hello, my name is Harry Pfeffer. I'm a second year classics student and I'm representing a team of five classics students with the curatorial internship under Fulbright scholar Stephanie Grimes. Lovely. You need to sit a bit closer, but that's fine. Um, so you're part of the department internship. Tell us more about that. So what, is it, what have you been working on? How's the process been? How have you found it? That kind of stuff. Yeah, so the five of us under Stephanie, who's a PhD student, have been in the process of re-examining and re-evaluating a classicist called Bernard Ashmole's archive and legacy, which he left to KCL when he died in the 1980s and was promptly neglected for about 30 years by academics and scholarship. So we're the first team in three decades to really unearth his contributions to the classical field and really sort of dig into it and piece together an exhibit based on our findings and in our sort of reflections on how classics has changed within the generations, how narrative is depicted from one sort of white Western classical scholar from privilege and money compared to now and how that deals with our sort of themes of accessibility for scholarship. Lovely. Do you have a favourite item or sort of digital archive material that you've worked with? Yeah, so (coughs) Ashmore primarily used photography and he took many, many photos. Many of them, yeah. The archive is mostly boxes and boxes of photos from all periods of Greco-Roman art. Personally, one of my favourites in the exhibition is a statue of domesticated dog. I think that speaks very much to sort of the everyman in the classics. We have an idea of the classical field being dominated by sort of mythic Homeric heroes and the sort of the everyday and the other is often neglected in the field. So the idea of the domesticated dog being viewed worthy enough to be depicted in marble is uh, quite touching, I think. I don't quite like Yeah, that. yeah, definitely. As you were saying, there's a big sort of thing within classics. It's very much, you study the epics and mythology and these big grand temples, and it's very, very easy to forget that these were real people with real lives and sort of real objects. No one really sort of discovers that or like studies it. So I think that's, yeah, it's really nice. And um, you're having an open night for the exhibition this Friday, the 24th of March, yes? Yes, Friday 24th from 6 to 8, just outside B6, which is the Classics Common Room. It's probably more familiar to the Classics students. Mm. Um, inside that ex- exhibit space, we're going to be analysing the themes of 
the sort of the everyday and the other and the sort of the lesser depicted characters of the classics also we're going to be looking at Ashmol himself the scholar the legacy he is particularly associated with the Parthenon marbles or sometimes referred to as the Elgin marbles which is obviously a lightning rod discussion <laughs> for yeah. the role of antiquity today colonial history particularly for Britain and how the academics has kind of shaped that narrative um, but he was also a technological innovator uh, he started his career with glass slides and quite primitive uh, modes of photography and through his classical career he really pioneered new ways of taking pictures of and distributing antiquities to wider audiences but still within that classical sphere so still slightly limited yeah yeah nice uh any inside details or gossip about the exhibit anything little sneak peeks or um i would say it was very much worth showing up for one it'll be very good mm -hmm. the exhibit will open on friday but it will stay in its place indefinitely for the year depending on if the society wants to do anything else with that space it may be moved we don't use it we literally <laughs> in that case um it should be there for hopefully some future generations of scholars and students to see uh, as for inside gossip anything interesting i think we've got some quite choice artifacts mm -hmm. that we're actually able to display which would be quite interesting to see um also perhaps some surprising photography mm. um of lesser known sort of sculptures and statues one would be the hermaphrodite is one of my favorites as well yeah it's a good one that we've shown the different perspectives and also ashmore caught this himself where the piece sort of tricks you into believing it's more feminine than it is and then if you walk around it you reveal that it's actually uh, quite different and quite interesting in that regard lovely is there anything else you wanted to say about the exhibit the opening night There'll be free drinks and reception. Uh, we good, <laughs> which is always good. Come along, that's free alcohol. Exactly. Um, it will be a chance to meet members of the department and other students mm -hmm. to have discussions about sort of the role of the humanities today. Hopefully, the exhibit will sort of poke and prod you to think about how museums and curation is sort of formed and what stories they tell, what's omitted from collections, and hopefully, we're trying to shine a light on some of those sort of more pressing issues for today lovely well it sounds incredible i will be there on friday i will be trying to be bringing as many people along as possible sounds like it's going to be great i'm looking forward to it and i hope it goes really well and i hope that everyone has like a very good reception to it because it sounds like it's uh, an important and interesting sort of thing that's you've done with the archives so thank you i'm looking forward to it yeah and that's just one more time uh friday six till eight B6 is where it's going to be held mm -hmm. and outside the space for the exhibit. And that will be there really indefinitely. So come yeah, on. Yeah, we don't you use like. that like board outside for KCL stuff. We just put everything on the chalkboard in yeah, the but department. So, so hopefully that's a better use of the space. Yeah, exactly, rather than definitely. some posters decaying, there could be yeah. an actual um, sort of insight into scholarship and maybe it'll be useful for your essays. Yeah, that would be nice. Well, thank you for coming on and talking about it. It was nice to have you. Thank you for having me. Radio believe, Natural. Uh, as the first guest. You are the first guest. For, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've been trying to grab people on. I think I'm trying to get Sadie on soon, so that'd be good. But Georgie wants to come on as well. I'm happy to have started what will be the proud legacy of uh, <laughs> the honorary guests for the Years and Years show. Oh, thank you. Well, that's lovely. 
Um, so now I'm gonna play you something a little bit different from Diana Ross. I'm actually gonna play you some Billie Eilish. Um, as you can sort of tell, this episode is a bit chaotic, but hopefully it's gonna go well. Um, but we'll get through it. Uh, so the title of the song, You Should See Me In A Crown, is actually inspired by a line from the Reichenbach Fool from the third and final episode of season two's BBC Sherlock, where Moriarty states that you should see me in a crown. And the opening sound on the track came about after Eilish heard her father sharpening knives in the kitchen, and the singer and her brother loved how it sounded, so they asked their dad to make the noise again as they recorded it. So here is You Should See Me In A Crown, and I will be back very soon. Billie Eilish's You Should See Me In A Crown. Next, I'm gonna play you some Pet Shop Boys. So this episode is very much a jump around between early and uh, more modern music. There is a reason for this. As I said, it's thematic, it's up to you to guess, but I will reveal next week. But um, 
So I'm going to play you West End Girls, which the song details a journey through the club scene in London where the Pet Shop Boys spent many evenings as the so-called glamorous West End in the 80s was where the action was, which contrasted with London's rougher East End. This was actually the breakout hit for the Pet Shop Boys, which went to number one in both America and the UK. And the music video was filmed in London and it got a lot of airtime on MTV, which is actually the only place that Americans could see them perform as they didn't start touring until 1989. So mostly did UK and European television audience uh, appearances. So here is Western Girls by the Pet Shop Boys.
So that was the Pet Shop Boys with West End Girls. And talking of girls, it's sad girling time. I have four words for you. Um, Phoebe Bridges, Motion Sickness. So this song was released as the second single from her debut album, Stranger in the Alps, and it's her most popular song by far. The song was written about Bridges' Bridges' ex, Ryan Adams, who produced her EP, Killer, and released it on his record label. And while it's the most upbeat song on the album, it does carry a deep emotional message, particularly due to the renewed attention in 2019 that the song found when Bridges, alongside a chorus of women, accused Adams of abuse. So it doesn't have necessarily a happy background, but it is an incredibly well-written and emotional song. So here it is. I can hardly feel anything 
So that was uh, Motion Sickness by Phoebe Bridges. And now I'm doing a, another complete genre change. Um, I'm actually going to play some 90s R&B. I played them last week. I'm playing them again. It's TLC. Last week I played you No Scrubs and I did mention Waterfalls, how it is obviously one of their most famous songs as well. So this week I will be playing you Waterfalls, which comes from their second album, Crazy Sexy Cool. Chasing Waterfalls refers to how people chase intangible dreams and no thoughts of the consequences. And the verses each detail the lives of individual people who chase intangible dreams with no thoughts of the consequences. The video won the MTV Music Video Award for the year in 1995 beating out buddy holly by weezer and basket case by green day um deserved i believe because it used a lot of new sort of technology and it was really hard to render apparently but it's a very good song um that's all i really have to say please enjoy tlc i always do i hope you do too
coming, going, leaving. I drink some, not one god given ray. Is it because my life is ten shades of gray? I pray all ten fade away, sell the praise and for the seven days. And like his promises, truth won't leave my faith can undo the many chances I believe you to bring my life to an end. Clear blue and unconditional skies have dried the tears from my eyes. No more lonely cries. My only leading hope is for the folk who can't cope with such an enduring pain that it keeps them in the pouring rain. Who's to blame for two and gain into your own vein? What a shame you shoot and aim for someone else's brain. You claim the insane and aim to stay in time for falling prey to grime. I say the system got you victim to your own mind. Dreams are hopeless aspirations and hopes are coming true. Believe in yourself, the rest is up to me. Yeah. Don't go chasing waterfalls. That was Waterfalls by TLC. And now you may be thinking, Carmen, why is there no mid-show break this week? And that's because since this episode is thematic, I don't really have any facts for you to help you guess the theme because it's not a year. So I can't really give you my usual historical pop cultural facts. Um, So we are just going to continue on with the music. However, I will say that the theme in which all of these songs come from is mentioned in the episode somewhere. So that is a bit of a clue. You'll have to listen to the whole thing to find out, I guess. Um, So next we have Matilda Mann with Nice. So this song encapsulates what arises from bad dates, namely female angst, and it differs from her previous works, which were more acoustic indie, but this brings in a heavier rock sound, which I think really fits the vibe of the song wholly. And it is different to her previous work, but I really like it. She discussed in an interview that nice is her dating rule. So if she goes on a date and the only word she can think of to describe is nice, it's not worth another date because you would never describe your best friend or your family as just nice. There needs to be a better first word that comes straight to mind, which I think is a good rule for people to implement. Um, And also just a little bit of background about me. I saw Matilda Mann at her first ever gig at the Lafayette in 2021, just a few days after she opened for Dodie, which I also saw, which made me go and buy tickets to go see her live performance because she was incredible opening for Dodie. Her live gig was insane. And I've actually just kind of been obsessed with her music since. Um, So do not be surprised if I manage to get her into future episodes. I love this woman. Anyway, here is Nice by Matilda Mann. I do hope you enjoy. I'm at a loss, caught on a loop It's not what you say, it's just all that you do I don't need the world, just something new Everyone says, jump in the sea So many fish with them, why can I breathe? They're all the same, just not for I swear I've done it all before It's nice 
Swear I've done it all before It's nice So again, to completely change the type of song that we're playing, um, I'm actually going to play something by Paul McCartney and Wings. I'm going to play you Band on the Run. So the song combines different pieces of different songs to make a whole song, which the Beatles commonly did. There are many examples on the Sgt. Pepper and Abbey Road albums, but A Day in the Life is the one that comes to mind the most. It's a very prominent example where it just, it's a bunch of songs just mashed together, but it doesn't mean that it's bad. Um, The song begins in a metaphorical prison, but where the orchestra comes in is where McCartney envisioned a hole being blasted in one of the walls and the subsequent escape by the said band on the run. And to make a small reference back to the Cornwall Road trip that Sadie and I did that I mentioned last week, uh, we were listening to the song when we drove down a very off-the-beaten-path road to an ancient town sort of in the middle of nowhere because the sat-nav took us down there. And Sadie has a very, very tiny car. It's a lovely car, but it should not have been on this road. The road could have only been described as a tractor-only road due to the state it was in. It was like really high on the sides. And then um, just like there was this big bit in the middle. Yeah, it was it was a horrible road to drive down, but this does have a lot of fond memories. So here is Band on the Run by Wings. <laughs> Get out of here 
again, changing it, we're going back to some sad girling and it's gonna be Holly Humberstone with London is Lonely. This is a single release last year, but it was actually written in 2020, just before the pandemic. And the song documents her story of moving to London and feeling disconnected and lonely. Missing those who she had left behind, particularly as she had moved straight to London from her childhood home. But the song can also take on various other meanings and interpretations depending on the individual listener. Humberstone also won the Brit Award for Rising Star last year and this song probably played a part in it. So here we go. Started feeling like I'm living in the upside down I haven't seen you in forever and I don't know how And I've been smoking and staying out too late But you know I've got good intentions, babe Started feeling like I see you in the Catch you in a stranger on the underground But something's missing I got an empty space And something's different When you leave my place So I'll try not to say what I mean when I call you up And I'll try not to think of the distances between us Lonely without you So will you stay? Cause I'm all so sick of this place Feeling way too big And nothing can hold me, can hold me like you do London is lonely without you Any minute now I swear I'm gonna lose my mind So many people it's so easy to get lost sometimes this winter is going on too long Though it don't snow here, it stays pretty cold And I miss your warmth So I'll try not to say what I mean when I call you up And I'll try not to think of the distances between us And it's so good when we dance on
Next, I have a classic for you. It's uh, Budapest by George Ezra. Uh, it's another one of my go-to karaoke songs. And I know that I will be getting grilled later by my friends for playing George Ezra, not because he's a bad musician, but apparently my type is men who look somewhat somehow like George Ezra and they're not wrong. So um, we'll just leave that there. Uh, The song was first played at Glastonbury in 2013 for BBC Intro West Live on air as their mobile mobile broadcast van just behind the pyramid stage. And at the time, the song was only a month old. It was apparently his first attempt at writing a love song and used the first three guitar chords he had ever learnt, so it's incredibly simplistic, but it's lovely. The song details all he'd give up for his lover if they asked. I recommend watching his documentary End to End. It's now on Amazon Prime. Uh, It's him and his two friends walking from Land's End to John O'Groats, and they play music, they meet musicians. It's just really a really good documentary. It's very well produced. It's very lovely. Um, And you guys know I love a live version of a song, so this is the Spotify Stockholm live version of the song. I hope you enjoy. in Budapest, my, my hidden treasure chest, golden brown piano, my beautiful Castillo, you, ooh, ooh, I'd leave it all, my acres of a land I have achieved, it may be hard for you to stop and believe, but for you, ooh, ooh, I'd leave it all. Thank you. 
Mouse in Budapest, mom, I hidden treasure chest Golden ground piano, my beauty focused on you Ooh, ooh, I'd leave it all Ooh, for you So now on to the final song of the episode. It is Caroline Polachek's So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings. So this comes from her 2019 album, Pang, which is a breakup album inspired by finding new love after her marriage to the contemporary artist Ian Drennan collapsed. This peppy synth pop track finds her exploring the feelings of longing in a long distance relationship. Apparently the writing process for the entire song, except the bridge, took only just two hours. Um, And I'm gonna play this to you at the end but firstly thank you so much for listening to this episode of years and years big thank you to harry for briefly coming on to discuss the classics exhibit that is opening on friday between six and eight in the classics department um and also thank you to harry for being my first guest hopefully i'll have some more on soon and i hope you all have a lovely week see you again the same time next week unless you you know come to this classics exhibit on friday i hope to see you there and here's caroline politic Oh.